Welcome, church. We're so excited for online campus this morning. Hey, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us and being a part of Summit Church online campus. It literally does make a difference, and I hope that this is making a difference in your life. And you know, I don't know where you're joining us from. You could be, you should do that today. Just put a comment in and tell us where you're joining from, what city you're from, what area you're from. If you're here locally, uh, just let us know. But we just want to say thank you so much for being a part of Summit Church. And we, we just know that every part of Summit Church is contributing through prayer and through time and through effort. And so we just want to say thank you so much for everything you're doing and all your giving and your generosity and your connecting. And I want to in, in, encourage you that as you're a part of this worship experience this morning, as we've already had just a wonderful time of worship and praise and and now we're going to get into the Word. I, I want to encourage you to get involved. Don't just sit there and watch. Make sure you're taking notes. Maybe get on version and follow along with the notes. Or, you know, just comment, make comments, say amen, hit that like button or the heart button. I know that sounds weird, but I believe as we interact with the Word, it, it just helps us to receive it better. And you may not know this, but down through the ages, down through the years, you know, when when uh, a pastor or a preacher would speak the word and people would respond with a resounding amen uh, that word means so be it and what they were saying is lord take that word and make it so in my life and so today every promise that we talk about every connection that we talk about every application that we talk about i want to encourage you to just interact and say yes i want that for my life Yes, I believe in God for that for my life. So engage one another, pray for one another, but let's 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 not set and observe. I know I know that the online campus is a bit. That's kind of that's kind of what you do is just watch. But I, I don't believe in being an observing Christian. I believe in being a participating Christian. And so I would encourage you: don't just sit and watch. Don't just observe, but get involved, participate and connect with your faith with God and with the Word today, and I know God's going to bless you in a great way. Well, we're continuing our series called Divine Connection, and we just started this last week, and I hope that the message resonated with you and spoke to your spirit, and today I know that this is a word from the Lord, and I believe it's going to touch your life. And so today I want to talk to you about the idea of the presence of God. You know, the God gave us an opportunity for divine connection, that we are not in this by ourselves, that we don't have to just trust our own flesh, our own physical world, but that we have a God who loves us, and although He is an amazing God and creator of all things, He is personally involved with us. And as we have a relationship with Him, His presence is real. And sometimes when we go in life, we go through the motions of religious things or our relationship with Christ. We go to church, we do some devotions, we check the boxes, I said my prayers. We need to understand that all the interactions we have with God are not just religious exercises. They're not just routine traditions that we go through to show God that we care. No, they're real interactions between us and God. God's presence is real. And in your prayer times and in your alone times with God, your quiet times or, or they may be loud times for you, your time where you're spending in the Word and in prayer, that shouldn't just be something you're doing by rote and going through the motions. It should be something that you're encountering God. When you come together and worship, even right now on online campus, you should encounter the presence of God. 
And it's so important that we do that. It's more than emotion. It's more than, you know, uh, going through the motions. It's truly encountering the presence of God because that's what makes the difference in our life as believers because we have a divine connection. So let's take our text and we'll get right in. Matthew chapter 27 and, and we're going to read verses 50 through 54 and I'm reading out of the NIV. It goes up on the screen. You can read it with me. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life, and they came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified, and they exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Teach us something today, God. Teach us. Be our teacher. We are here to learn. And Lord, we don't just want information, God. We need inspiration. Lord, let us be inspired in spirit today. Heavenly Father, help us to get something down on the deep inside of us that just overflows out of us, God. Just change our lives today, God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, what I would tell you this morning is that when God's presence is involved, it changes things. When God gets involved in our situation, in our circumstances, things change. There's a difference between just going through life and going through life with a divine connection. There's a difference between just going through life and going through life in the presence of God. There's a book that was written a long time ago called Practicing the Presence of God. And it was just really a, a book that talked and taught about how to learn to experience the presence of God and walk in the presence of God and live in the presence of God. And uh, it, just it just studying for this message reminded me of that book. And I think it's very important that we sometimes talk about this, that we don't just go through motions religiously. If your Christianity is merely just a, uh, just a doing of things that you feel like make you righteous or make you holy or make you uh, what God wants you to be, I think what we have to do is we have to take a step back and ask ourselves, is that all there is? And I can tell you, no, it's not all there is. Uh, is knowing God, having a relationship with God, is all that that is just making a decision to follow Christ, praying a prayer at some point, asking God to come in your life, and being determined to go to heaven. That's great, but is that all there is? Absolutely not. That's not all there is. Um, is getting a change in your life and moving from you know, something that was bad into something that was good, something that was unholy into something that was holy, something that was useless into something that was useful. Is that good? Yes, it's great. And, and does it change us? Yes. Our habits changing. We didn't care about things of God before. Now we care about things of God. We didn't go to church before. Now we go to church. We didn't study the Bible before. Now we study the Bible. Are those good things? Yes. Is that all there is? No. There's so much more that God wants to do in our lives and so much more that he wants to do specifically in your life because, because he has purpose for us. He has destiny for us. And, you know, life can be challenging, can be hard, and we're going to talk about that today, but here's the difference. The difference is we have a divine connection. 
We do not have to go through life on our own. Jesus himself said when he left this earth, ascended to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you even to the end of the age. In other words, we've made a divine connection, and I'm not going to break that divine connection with you. You can walk away from it. You can do what you want, but I'm here to be here for you and to connect to you and to, and to allow you to know that you can have a relationship with me and you can experience my presence. There's a difference between having a, an, an, an understanding or an educational approach to Christianity and an inspirational approach to Christianity. And Christianity or a relationship with God is far more than just good Christian education. I know we all need the education that the Bible gives us, but the Bible is more than something that it educates us. The word said that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This word inspiration, it means in spirit. It means that God infuses this word into this world. In other words, these men wrote this book, but they it was infused into their hearts, into their minds by the Holy Spirit himself. So when we read this book, it's not just educational, but it's transformational. And the reason it's transformational is not because we gained knowledge of it as much as it is it changes us from the inside out because it in, interacts with the presence of God and the presence of God interacts with us and it changes us. You know, a lot of times I've had people tell me in studying the word, they've said, I just can't get into the word. I just don't get the relevance of the word or it's hard for me to understand or, you know, there's no excuse for that today. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Uh, we've got so many good translations where it puts it in your vernacular. And the truth is, many of those translations are just as uh, effective as, you know, what we felt like the King James Version was. And so we don't need to worry about that. And we could get the word in, in a way that we can understand it. But let me just say, a lot of times when we try to go to the word, we have a problem because the enemy is fighting us. The enemy wants to cause us to be confused. The enemy doesn't want us to understand the word of God. But you need to understand that this is how it works. This scripture that was written by 40 different authors over 1,500 to 2,000 years on three uh, different continents in three different language, languages it is an amazing feat because of its correlation with itself, Old to New Testament. And, and it's almost impossible. Well, it is impossible for that to be possible outside of some divine connection. Now, the same Holy Spirit that wrote that word, the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of this, is the same Holy Spirit that dwells with us and in us today. So the same Holy Spirit who wrote it is the same Holy Spirit who can explain it to you in your spirit. And when you get into the word, you're not just receiving an education and gaining knowledge of what God said. But these words get down on the inside of you. They renew your mind. They transform your spirit. And you become what God wants you to become, not simply because you're reading a book, but because of the book that you're reading. It's important for us to understand there's more than just the religious aspects of a relationship with God. There's more than just a routine and tradition. There is a divine connection. There is an encounter with the Holy Spirit that God wants to give to you. You know, God's presence changes things. 
you know, divine connection doesn't come through just religious exercise. You know, I know a lot of people that go through the motions. I've been one of those people in, in the past in my life where you get in a season where you're just going through the motions. You're just, you're just, you know, you're just walking it out. You're just trying to be a good Christian. You're, you're getting a little devotion time in. You're praying every once in a while, nothing deep, but just kind of talking to God every once in a while. You're, you know, you go to church when you can. Those kind of things that happen in our lives when we allow the world to overtake us. And we just go through the motions and we think, well, everything's fine, everything's good. And at best, we become lukewarm. The difference between a Christian that is lukewarm or average or mediocre in their spirituality and a Christian that is literally red hot, passionately following Jesus Christ and saying, man, I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do and I'm going to overcome sin because of the power of God and I'm going to overcome uh, these obstacles in my way and I'm going to experience what God wants me to experience because I'm going to follow Him wholeheartedly. The difference, I'm telling you the difference, is the presence of God. The difference is people who are seeking after the encounter with the Holy Spirit. And, and so, so, so when God's presence is engaged it changes things. I mean, look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, um, the Spirit of God came. I mean, the Lord told them, Jesus told them, go to the upper room, go to Jerusalem and wait and pray. And 120 of them went up into that room and they began to pray and seek the face of God and praise God. And then Acts chapter 2 tells us, and the Holy Spirit came upon them and all kinds of unbelievable manifestations happened. They spoke in languages that they did not know. They there were, there were physical manifestations that happened. You could see different things that were miraculous and supernatural. And it was just an amazing moment because it, it changes things when God's presence gets involved and you have that encounter. Let me, let me tell you how it changes things. Peter, just 50 days before that, had denied Jesus because he was afraid he would be killed too. He, he denied that, that, that he was a follower of Jesus to a little girl, to a young lady who said, aren't you one of the Galileans? Aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? And he said, no, I'm not. I, he was so cowardly. He was so confused. He was so beat down by his circumstances that he literally just said, I don't know Christ. In the most pivotal moment of his Savior's uh, uh, temptation, his Savior's test, in, in, in the most pivotal moment of his best friend's life, he didn't show up. He was a coward. He ran. He denied Fifty days later, he goes into that upper room in prayer after Jesus had resurrected and shown himself to them and he had spoken to them and he had forgiven Peter and he had told Peter, listen, I'm going to use your life, don't worry. And so they go to the upper room and the power of the Holy Spirit descends upon them and it changes Peter's life. The same Peter who 50 days earlier couldn't even stand up for Jesus because he was afraid now is out in the streets preaching the gospel to thousands of people because the manifest presence of God had gotten everyone's attention. That's a change. And when the presence of God gets involved in our life, it changes things. Look at Acts chapter 3. Uh, Acts chapter 3 when the, 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 the Peter and John were going to the temple to pray and there was a man sitting by the gate, beautiful, and he had been there for years since he was born. He was begging for money and he alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And and, and Peter turned to that man and he said, I don't have any money to give you, but what I do have, I'll give to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Well, the man rises up 
and he walks and he's healed and he's miraculously changed. It was because Peter and John had a practice of being in the presence of God. Where were they going when they interacted with this man? To the temple to pray. And it was their regular custom to do so. It's important for us to know. Acts chapter 4, the church was being persecuted. Peter had been thrown into jail. They were in fear for their lives. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were gathered together in a house and God moved. Peter was miraculously released from prison. He shows up. They all pray together. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God showed up. The, 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 the room shook and God moved and it gave them boldness to just keep carrying the kingdom message and the kingdom purpose out in front. It's amazing what happens to our lives personally and privately and publicly when we experience the presence of God. I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live this life without the presence of God. I, I, I don't want to try to become the, 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 the purpose that God has for me without the presence of God. I, I, I don't want to try to take one more step as a husband, one more step as a father, one more step as a leader, as a pastor, as, 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 as a, a person in this life. I don't want to take one more step without the presence of God. I want the tangible, felt anointing of God operating and functioning in my life. And here's the deal. So many Christians are walking out their Christianity today without the added benefit of being in the presence of God or experiencing the anointing of God or walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's important for us to acknowledge it. It's important for us to seek it. It's important for us to want it, to want God's presence in our lives. And let's not make any mistake about this. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. We're not seeking a thing. We're seeking a person. We're seeking the manifest presence of God to be active in our lives. The purpose of God is revealed in the presence of God. You know, people who want to tell me that they're trying to live out the purpose of God, but they're spending no time in the presence of God. I'm sorry. You're not going to find the purpose of God outside the presence of God. You know, it just doesn't work that way. You're never worshiping. You're never praying. You're never studying the word. You're never in the house of God. Don't don't talk to me about the purpose of God because you can't find the purpose of God outside the presence of God. The power of God is released in the presence of God. If you want the power of God at work in your life, you've got to get in the presence of God. I, it, it's so strange that as I'm talking about this, I know I feel this, I feel this context of people who are like hearing this for the first time. This is how I grew up. I mean, I've understood the power and presence of God since the, the beginning of my life. And even when I wasn't following Christ, I knew what the presence of God could do. I knew what the power of God could do. It's so amazing. And we need to understand that the power and purpose of God is revealed and experienced in the presence of God. Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, in the New International Version, it says, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. I mean, I wonder if we really expect that. I mean, right now at this online campus, there are many of you commenting and talking and attending this worship experience. And, 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 and he says, where two or three are gathered together in my name. Now, I know that we're connected by technology, but God is not limited by technology. So we're here worshiping together. I, I mean, come on. 
are you expecting to experience the presence of God? Because the Bible very clearly says that when we come together in the name of the Lord, that He shows up there. As we worship in this house, in this church building, and people come together and lift up their hands and worship God as we hear the word preached, as we sing the songs, as we lift up praise to His name, He is not somewhere distant from us. He is right here, right now. The presence of God is available to you right now because where two or three are gathered together in His name, He is there in their midst. That's what the Bible says. Divine connection, plain and simple, is being in the presence of God. You know, we all know in the book of Genesis, we all know how everything started. We've read it, we've studied it, we've heard it talked about, we've, we've you know, uh, seen pictures and books of it. And, you know, God creating the heavens and the earth, God creating all the animals, God creating the, the skies and the, and the, and the earth and the, the seas and and God creating man and we and we saw that God created man and then he put God, he put man in the garden of eden and he gave man dominion and and then he realized that it's not good for man to be alone he said everything else was good he looked at his creation this is good this is good but then when he realized man did not have a helpmeet someone who was like him to interact with to connect with and he very much needed that god said this is not good so he took out of adam a rib and he created woman and he gave this woman to Adam and Adam ultimately called her Eve because she was the beginning of of uh, of the generations to come and we see that Adam and Eve were given this opportunity and the opportunity that they were given was to live in this paradise that they, they were given this opportunity to live in paradise. And when I say paradise, I don't think we can even understand it or comprehend it. The only thing that you could even get close to what paradise must have been like is if what you imagine in your faith uh, when you think about heaven. It, it was perfect. There was no flaws. There were no, there's no ugliness. It was all beautiful. There was no sin. There was no knowledge of good and bad. It was just it was just living in this beautiful, wonderful, perfectly created atmosphere. And man was given the opportunity to lead in that context. And here they are. And God had told them, look, you can do anything. You can have anything. You can be a part of any of this that's going on here. But there's just one thing you can't do. Don't touch this tree, this one tree. And isn't it interesting that he gave them all this, but their attention, instead of appreciating all that they were given, their attention was to the one thing that they weren't given, the one thing that was holy and sacred and set apart and was only for God. They said, we want that. Isn't it interesting that they were led to that? They didn't decide that on their own. They didn't just go looking for it, but the enemy got involved and started pulling on them and saying, misconstruing and misrepresenting God and saying, the reason God doesn't want you to have this is because he knows you'll be like him and and in a sense, they would be like him, in other words, with the understanding of good and evil. Adam and Eve just couldn't leave well enough alone. And here's the disastrous thing that happened with Adam and Eve. Not, 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 that, they, not that they sinned. It, that was horrible, and it messed up humanity, and it allowed sin to come in the earth. Not that they were dismissed from the garden and had now to, to, to earn their living by the sweat of their brow and and, and Eve would, would 
pay the penalty through the pains of childbirth and Adam would pay the penalty of of having to work harder than necessary against the resistance of the earth that was sinful and 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 both of them having to experience this this utter disappointment but that wasn't the bad part the bad part wasn't that they would be thrown out of the garden the bad part is that they would be separated from God because see that's what sin does to us it it separates us from God God is holy God is righteous he is it's not that he he does righteous and he does holy of course he does but he is holy and he is righteous there is nothing in him that is veiled there is nothing in him that is not holy or righteous he is fully holy fully righteous he is fully love he is fully grace he is fully judgment he is fully everything that he is he is perfect in every way so for us to be in the glorious presence of almighty god who is holy now with sin in our lives with disobedience in our lives it was impossible we could not live now before this adam and eve literally would walk with god in the garden in the cool of the day they would have conversations god would come to them and they would have these conversations and just this relationship and friendship and now because of sin, because of disobedience, because of all of this, they were pushed out. And, and, and it, they weren't just pushed out. Now, a lot of times we look at the judgment of God and we say, oh, that's so horrible. How can you be so mean? But the truth is the judgment of God that you see is always filtered through grace. And here's what I mean. He judged them and pushed them out of the garden because he was concerned that they would eat the tree of, the, uh, of, of everlasting life and they would be stuck perpetually for eternity in this state and there would be nothing because of the principles that were laid down that God could do to change it God can't go against himself and so he had to push them out in order to save them from themselves it, it is an amazing thing to see God even in his judgment he's showing love even in his judgment he's showing grace and to be honest everybody wants to argue about God is harsh God is not listen God is God and if he wants to judge it's his prerogative to do so. You're not God, and you're not even close to God, and I'm not God, and I'm not even close to God in the sense of becoming that. And we don't need to even think that way because that's not biblical. It's not right. And we need to understand God is God, and he has all power, and he is all holy, and we cannot exist in his presence outside of help from him. And, and so he banishes them. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 23, so the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. Now listen, th that is a sad indictment of humanity. God created us to worship him. God created us to be in relationship with him. And God put us in an environment where that could happen. But then because of our proclivity towards disobedience or our proclivity towards rebellion and having our own way and doing our own thing, which is a possibility when you're given free will. And that's what God wanted. God wanted people who would worship him out of the free will of their heart. When you're given that, it's very, it's very often that the, the weakness of man shows up. And so it's sad that they were pushed out of the garden, but it's even more sad that they couldn't have the relationship 
that they had with God after that point. They hid from God. Immediately when they, they sinned, they knew. They knew. They were naked. They didn't have knowledge of good and evil before. But now all of a sudden, their innocence was God, and they knew nakedness, this is not okay. We should be shamed of our nakedness because, because it's, it's just not holy. Well, they, if you have no knowledge of good and evil, then, then it's not sin to you. And so here they are realizing this, and they hide. They hide from God. God shows up, Adam, Adam, where are you? <laughs> and Adam says, well, we, we were hiding from you and he, because we we're naked. And he said, who told you you were naked? He said, you ate of the tree, and they ate of the tree, and so God provided a sacrifice for them, clothed them, and then sent them out of the garden. But it's interesting, he didn't leave them to themselves. He created a system for the children of Israel for the sons and daughters of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He created a system for them to be able to make themselves or get themselves right before the Lord at least year to year by making sacrifices. And we won't go into all that. But God has never, ever left us without options or left us without solutions. But the truth is, the relationship wasn't the same. And it couldn't be the same. And how could it be the same? They had to live outside this presence of God except for special visitations from God. Let's forward, fast forward into the future. And Jesus comes, he's born, he's sent. Yeshua HaMashiach, the, the Messiah. The Messiah, the King, the one who's been prophesied about over 323 times he's prophesied about in the Old Testament. And those prophecies are fulfilled in Jesus in the New Testament. And, and here he is and he's preaching the word and he's teaching the word. And then the time comes where something has to be done. But the Bible says that, that, the, that the plan of salvation was created before the foundation of the world. When God created us, he understood that we would have the proclivity to rebel. And so he made a plan that would bring us back, would redeem us back to himself. And so the plan was he would sacrifice his only begotten son. He would put the penalty of our sin on his son. And all we need to do is believe on him, ask him to forgive us and confess that he's our Lord and Savior and follow Christ. That changes everything. Our heart is redeemed. Our spirit is renewed and regenerated. It's an amazing thing that God created, but it all happened as a result of Jesus giving himself to die on that cross and then raise again from the dead. And here's what we need to understand in the scripture text that we took this morning is that when Jesus went to that cross to pay the penalty of the sin, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 51, it says, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You see, in the sacrificial system, the temple was built, and there was a place called the holy place, and then inside the holy place, there was a place called the holy of holies. The holy of holies, no one could go into except the high priest, and he could go in only once a year. And he went in to make sacrifice for his own sins and for the sins of the people of Israel. Once a year he would go in. He would sanctify himself the entire year. And then he would go in to, to the Holy of Holies and make sacrifice for the people. So there was a veil that was built and created that kept a separation between the glory and presence of God and the people of God. They got glimpses of it when Moses was up on the mountain. They got glimpses of it when Moses would go to the tent of meeting and they would stand at the door of their tents and they would see the glory of God descending. 
they get glimpses of the glory of God, but they couldn't be in the presence of God. Even the high priest himself could only go into that Holy of Holies after sanctifying himself for an entire year. And he would go in, he would make sacrifices. So there was this veil that would separate the, the, the worship place where the people could be and the holiest place where they could not go in. In other words, there's a separation between us and God. We need the presence of God. To be able to be empowered for the purpose of God, we need the presence of God. And we couldn't even have salvation because we couldn't get close to God. But when Jesus went on that cross and he said several things, but the last thing he said is, it is finished. And when he said it is finished, he wasn't saying, I'm through paying the sacrifice. He wasn't saying, I'm, I'm, the pain is over. He wasn't saying, I did what I came to do. He was saying that the penalty has been paid once and for all. Now, if man will believe on me, they can be forgiven. They can be set free. They can be in relationship with the Father. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that, that God gave Jesus the ministry of reconciliation. So here's what that means. That means Jesus came for the very purpose of taking us and putting us back in relationship with God. He became the mediator, the high priest, and the sacrifice. So that we could be in relationship and close proximity to God and in his presence, the glory of God. Now the Bible tells us in Hebrews that we can go boldly into the throne room of grace. Think about that for a minute. The Bible tells us specifically in that moment, Matthew chapter 27, that the veil was rent in two from top to bottom. Why is it specified that? Because there's no way that man by, by man that you could just rip that veil from top to bottom so what he was saying is when jesus said it's finished the price has been paid god reached out of heaven and he ripped that veil from top to bottom and he was saying you are invited into my presence you are invited into this place you can have salvation but many of us have gotten salvation but then we've stopped right there i'm going to heaven everything's okay but we've missed out on the power and purpose of God because we haven't realized, no, we can experience on a daily basis the presence of God, the manifest glory of God in our lives. Him tangibly interacting with us as we pray, speaking to our hearts, speaking through His Word and speaking in a still small voice in the impressions of our spirit. He wants to be with us. He wants us to be with Him. Being in the presence of God is, period, the divine connection. Now, you've give, been given access to be saved, but you've also been given access to receive the power, purpose, and presence of God in your life as a believer. God wants to give you the power of God, the miraculous workings of God in your life. I could stand here and tell you story after story of times God has used my life to do the miraculous. And when I say do the miraculous, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not joking. I've, I've had God do so many things in my life that are miraculous, there's no way to explain how they happen. There's no way to explain how we were able to do that or how we were able to achieve that. There was no way to explain the miracles that happened when we prayed for someone to be healed and they were immediately healed. There's no way to explain how funding was provided literally out of nowhere to be able to do things we've done globally. It's, it's amazing to see God miraculously move, and He wants to do that in your life. This, this Christian experience is not meant to be mundane or normal or average or whatever. This Christian experience is meant to be full-on, powerful, manifest presence of God operating and functioning in and through us on a daily basis. 
man, I hope you're getting this this morning because I'm telling you, I'm stirred about this. I'm stirred in my heart that I think we need to revisit again what it means to really be in relationship with God. I think we need to revisit again what it means to have His power and His presence manifest in our lives. I want the fruit of the Spirit operating in my life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, faith. All of those things don't come from human discipline. They come from the power and presence of God. When I get around God, when I get in proximity to God, I start becoming like Him. And that's the purpose, isn't it? Romans 8.29 tells us that we've been made to be conformed into the image of His dear Son. So when we get around Him, we start associating with Him. His glory begins to impact our lives. His Word begins to renew us. And all of a sudden, we start loving like we couldn't love before. We, we're patient where we would have been impatient before. We're, we're good. We do good things where we wouldn't have even thought about that before. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit of our holy God is being born out of us, out of the relationship that we have with His presence. I want the operation of the gifts of the manifestation of God in my life. His gifts, the words of wisdom and words of knowledge and prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues and miraculous works and faith and just the power of God moving. I, I, I don't want any of that so that it draws attention to me. I want all of that because it brings glory to God. So there are three principles that I want to just share with you, and then I'll be finished today. Three principles from the power of God's presence. Three principles from the power of God's presence. Now, God's presence is a result of a genuine heart praying and praising God. How do we get in the presence of God? How do we get God to interact with us in our prayer times? How do we get God to interact with us when we praise and worship Him? How do we get His Spirit to move and manifest in our lives? Sincerity genuineness, no faking, no pretending, no pretentiousness, just coming as you are and saying, God, I want more of you. I want you in my life. You know, the Bible says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. Well, if you look at those verbs in that text, in the Greek, it's the aortist tense verb. And here's what that means. It's a continuing verb. So what it really means is seek and continue to seek and you shall find. Knock and continue to knock and the door will be open. Ask and continue to ask and you shall receive. In other words, there's this place in us that we need to get to where we are literally going after God. Here's the beautiful thing about seeking God. You will seek him. He will not let you down. He will let you find him. When you knock on the door and and say, Lord, I need in. I need you to open this door for me. I'm telling you, just keep knocking. He's going to open that door. When you ask and continue to ask for the needs that you have in your life or ask and continue to ask for his purpose to be manifest in your life, God is not some kind of uh, uh, mean-spirited entity that he would tease you and then not show up in your life. No, when we begin to seek him, We will find him. When we begin to knock, the door will be open. When we begin to ask and continue to ask, we will receive the answers. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me, and I will show you things you have not yet seen. I will. He says, I will answer you. Did you hear what I said? That was in the Old Testament. He said, call unto me, and I will answer you. How much truer is that after the, 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 that Jesus sent power of the presence of the Holy Spirit into this age 
how more powerful is it and real is it that when we call out to him, he's going to answer us? Have you ever thought about in your prayer time, not just going through some kind of motions of talking to God, but actually listening, actually worshiping him, actually seeking his face and saying, God, I want more of you. It's so amazing how God will show up in your life. Prayer is not merely a religious exercise or tradition. It is a conversation between a person who loves God and God himself. There's no intermediary between you and God. It's God. You are interacting with him. And there's so much more than just going through these motions. It's it's a meeting between you and God. It is showing up in the presence of God. It is an encounter with God. So here are the three principles. Number one, God's presence produces God's power. I talked to you earlier about that moment in Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John healed the lame man and thousands gave their lives to the Lord. It's just so important that we realize that it's out of being in the presence of God that God's power is produced. Listen, if you want God's power working in your life, if you'd love to pray for people and see them healed, if you would love to pray for your family and see the miraculous happen, if you would love to to pray and God move, do something. And, you know, I believe when God's people pray, God moves. When we pray in faith with a genuine heart, God moves. I believe that with all of my heart. But if you want to see that, you can't not be in the presence of God and expect that to happen because it's out of moments in the presence of God that his power is released to us. That's just the way it works. And it's important for us to understand what Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, that we should be, Walking in the power of God. Uh, Acts 1.8 says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Power. This We talked about it last week. Power. This word power is from, it's called dunamis in the Greek. It's where we get the word dynamite. Literally, it's explosive power. The manifest presence of God. I don't know about you, but I, I want to see God do the miraculous in my life. I want to see God do the miraculous in the lives of others. Not for the purpose of someone looking at me and saying, wow, look what God did in their life. No, I want to see God do the miraculous because it brings glory to him. What happened when Peter and John healed this lame man? What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Thousands of people gave their life to Jesus. It was an amazing feat. This guy had been there all of his life seeking for help to to fund his life because he couldn't work. And they give him something that he, no one had ever given him. He looked on them, the Bible says, expecting something from them. He expected them to give him some money because they looked, they stopped for him. They stopped for him. You know, God can lead us to learn how to stop for people. It, it's so important that we learn this. We're, we're passing by people every day that need the power of God. We're living in a world where people are starting to seek for false religions and mysticism and all of this other stuff to find some kind of spiritual connection. And we have that power. We have the Holy Spirit in our lives that that people are seeking for, that they need and they want. And we could be manifesting that in people's lives if we would just understand being in His presence, learning how to listen to His Spirit, to stop and stop just letting people go by. Stop just let seeing our coworkers as coworkers. We see them every day. Know that allowing God to lead you of what's going on in their life, allowing God to speak to you and through you. And they just reached out to him and said, rise up and walk. And he did. And what happened? As a result, it drew a crowd. And Peter started preaching the gospel. And people gave their lives to Jesus. Over 3,000 people saved in that moment. The second 
principle of the presence and power of God is this. God's presence produces God's provision. You know, when Jesus shows up, provision happens. Like, whatever the need is, when Jesus shows up, it, provision happens. I mean, we know that God is our provider, Jehovah Jireh. We find that in the Old Testament. But, but, but we need to understand when Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, shows up and is operating in the miraculous. You know, when Jesus came and he was baptized at the River Jordan and the Holy Spirit descended on him, the Bible said he operated in the Holy Spirit without measure. In other words, he was limitless in his power. So when Jesus' presence shows up, provision shows up. You know what? When you're going through a hard time and you need something from God, get in his presence. Get in a worship service. Turn on worship music. Get in your prayer closet and just start praising his name. I'm telling you because when his presence tangibly shows up, things change. Provision happens. I'll never forget, there was a year where we were having to build, we were going to build a, a dorm in Uganda for teachers so that they could teach at the Watoto schools. And we did not have the money, we, we, but we had, we had a moment where we had to commit or we had to say we can't do it. And, and, and I just felt like God was telling me, commit to this, commit to it. We did not have the money. We didn't. We did not have the money. And one of the guys going on the team, I, I, I came to the conclusion, I'm going to step out in faith here. And I talked to, you know, mentors in my life. We stepped out in faith, and I said, we're going to commit. So I called them, and I said, we're doing it. And, uh, and, and they said, well, you need to send us the money so we can get prepared for you. I'm saying, okay, we're doing it. We'll send you the money. And I had no money. But there was a guy going on a trip with us. He was going to be on the team that we took to build that building. And we were having a team meeting, and I had been praying about this. I had been seeking God about this. And I stood up and I said, I had the whole team stand up, and I said, hey, let's pray right now that God's going to provide for this. The next weekend, one of the people on that team, a guy on that team, came up to me and said, you're not going to believe what happened. He said, I, this week, a distant relative died that I didn't even know I was connected to, and they left me this amount of money. It was the exact amount of money to pay for that building. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and told me to bring this to you, and it's paid for. Now, now can I just tell you something? That is a miracle. That is the manifest presence of God. And the reason is, is because we put ourselves in his presence, and in the presence of God, there's always provision. Look at the loaves and fishes. You have just five loaves, two fishes, but you add that to Jesus, and what do you do? You feed 5,000. You have a wedding ceremony in Cana, and the, the wine runs out, but you add pitchers of water to Jesus, and you have plenty to go around. It is amazing to see what happens in the presence of God when we really get into the presence of God. So the number three principle of the power and presence of God is this. God's presence produces God's protection you know the bible tells us in psalms 91 that he that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty and i'll say of the lord he's my refuge and he's my fortress i trust in him we can be hidden in the presence of god that things that affect others will not affect us like it does others that the enemy can try to destroy us but he can't because we're hidden in the presence of God, in the secret place. What is the secret place? It's the presence of God. It's a relationship with Jesus. I was in uh, Uganda and one year and it was uh, with some young guys and we were excited and being adventurous and 
we got out and we went into some slum areas and we didn't even realize what time it was, but it got late. I'm talking about up to two or three in the morning, which was really a, not a very smart thing to do. And, and my wife let me know that later. But, but the truth is, we just were, we just were so excited and we were, we were handing out Bibles. And these people in Uganda... They wanted these Bibles, and we were just in the slums area in the streets, and we had gone into a church that was there and just praised God with them. It was They were having some kind of midnight service, and that's kind of how we started. And we went in there, and we gave them an offering to bless their church, and we just, we just stood there and praised God with them and sought the Lord with them and cried with them, and it was such a powerful moment. But we had continued to go down through those, the slum area, and, and we were with a little street preacher that had kind of hosting us and take us around. And he said, let's go in here and minister. And we had no idea what it was, but it was just a little, like there were a lot of these shops side by side by side. And uh, you would look at them and think, oh, that's, it's just a broken down area. But it was just all these people selling their wares. And we went into this room and, and, and it was a very narrow hallway going in. And it was dark in there. And as we went in, we stepped in a few feet. And then all of a sudden, I started noticing that there were people sitting on either side of this narrow hallway on a bench, just one after another. And then I started realizing, as I was continuing to follow this man down and walk down, I was realizing something very important. These were all women. They were all young women. And the little street pastor next to me all of a sudden says, this is a brothel. We had no idea it was a brothel. And we walk in to that thing and we get to this corner and we're about to turn and go right because what he's trying to do is he's trying to get us to go in and minister to the pimps and they were standing right there. And uh, when I got to the end, all of a sudden in my spirit, I'm telling you almost like an audible voice, God said, stop, back up, get out of this room. And I, I felt it. it. It wasn't like a fear in me. I really didn't have, I hadn't processed or understood what was really going on at the moment. I just, I, you know, I just didn't realize. And uh, I, I, I told the whole team that was with me, three or four guys, I said, hey, stop. Let's stop. Let's back up and get out of here. We, the Lord just told me, get out of here. So I don't know what the impending doom was on the other end of that. I don't know what was about to happen to us. I don't know uh, what was going on, but here's what we did. As we were going out, some of the girls began to ask us why we were there. And we said, we're, we're here to share the love of Jesus with you and, uh, and to hand out these Bibles. And so we started handing them Bibles. And then we walked out into the street, and boy, I felt so relieved. And, and we go out, and some of these girls followed us out. And there were three or four of them that just kind of circled around us. And they began to ask us about Jesus. And they began to ask us about the Bibles. Partly, I'm sure, because they were curious. We're Americans. They, don't, they didn't see a lot of us in that context, in that setting. I'm sure partly because the Bible was very important to them because it would help them learn English. I'm sure a lot of the reasons were that they were just practical. But the truth is, what the real reason was, is the Holy Spirit was in that moment. In a brothel, in Uganda, in the slums, in the middle of the night, God's presence was available. And it protected us. And as we were sharing with them, we led them to the Lord. And as we were praying for them, 
to come to the Lord, the pimps were standing on the stoop of that little room, that little house, and they were yelling, and we didn't know what they were yelling. They were speaking in Lugandan, but the brother that was with us began to tell us what they were saying. And they were saying to these girls, if you go with Jesus, don't you ever come back here. You'll have no place to sleep. You'll have no place to eat. You'll have no place to go. No one loves you. We will not help you. We will hurt you. And they're saying this to them from the stoop. They won't come out to us, but they're saying this from the stoop. And these girls in that moment had to make a decision. Are we going to go with this young pastor who has a church there in Uganda, or are we going to go back to this? And there were a few of them that went back to the, to the home, and there were a few of them that went on with us. But what I know is because we had spent time in prayer, we had spent time in the presence of God, we had spent time doing what God told us to do, and in that moment we were sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit's voice. He protected us. There have been many times in my family where I couldn't explain to my kids why I couldn't let them go somewhere or do something. It wasn't anything bad. It wasn't anything bad, but something in my spirit said, don't do it. Don't let them go. Just don't. And I couldn't even say why, but I knew. And then we found out later that they were saved from something or they were safe. It's amazing to me how interactive God is in our lives and how powerful He will move in our lives if we'll just get in His presence. If we'll just get in His presence, if we'll just seek Him, if we'll just call unto Him, He will answer us. If we'll just knock on that door spiritually, He will open to us. God is not wanting to keep you out. He ripped the veil so you could be in. He said, you can boldly come into my throne room. You can boldly come into the Holy of Holies because I have paid the penalty. Jesus became the curtain and He opened Himself so that you could get into the glory and presence of God. Don't stop merely at salvation. Don't stop at just having an assurance of heaven. But come on, let's grab a hold of everything God has for us and begin to seek His heart for the power and presence of God to be manifest in our lives, for the fruit of the Spirit to be born in our lives, for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our lives, for the miraculous to happen in our lives, for a fire to burn in us that we cannot contain that has to be given out to the world around us so that we can see God do things and thousands and thousands and thousands of people and generations of families be saved and give their life to Jesus. God's presence is in our lives today. It's like a down payment from heaven. There was a, there was a song that Israel Holton sings, and I love it. It says, your presence is heaven to me. When we get into the presence of God, it's like we're getting a little taste of heaven. You don't have to wait to go to heaven to be in heaven. Just You already have eternity. You already have eternal life. Now begin to experience the presence of God. God has gone to great lengths to give us His divine connection. Our relationship with Christ is, is that. It's a relationship. It, it, it's not just religious tradition. It's not just religious exercise. It, it is a true encounter with the Creator of everything. It's an experience. And the powerful thing about the presence of God is that He doesn't just want us to be in His presence. Listen, He doesn't just want us to be in His presence, but He wants His presence to be in us. Romans 8.11 says, And if the Spirit of Him 
who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Listen, He doesn't just want you in His presence. He wants His presence in you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ out of that tomb, the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to overcome death, hell, and the grave. The same Spirit that was given to the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost. The same Spirit is available to you in a manifest, tangible way. Listen, life is a challenge internally and externally, but we do not have to go through life alone. He is with us. His presence is with us and in us. We have a divine connection. What happens circumstantially in this world is not the last word because we have a divine connection. Death does not have the last word. The grave does not have the last word. The world's governments do not have the last word. This earth does not have the last word. Evil men do not have the last word. The devil himself does not have the last word. Why? Because we have a divine connection. Jesus had the last word and his last word on that cross was it is finished. And when he spoke those words, the veil was rent. And now you and I can be in the presence of God and God's presence can be in us. It's like the old hymn says, there is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. There's a wonder working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We give you glory for it. We thank you for your presence. Oh God, what will we do without your presence? What would we do without your presence? Thank you for being with us. Thank you for empowering us. Thank you for emboldening us. Thank you for using us. Thank you that your manifest presence will begin to do wondrous works in our lives as we seek your face, as we spend time in proximity to you, and as your spirit gets in us and through us and on us. Father, I pray for every single person here today in our online campus, if they do not know you, if they do not have a relationship with you, help them to see the length of your love and the ways that you have done everything you can to bring them in to a relationship with you. I pray that they'll turn to you today and I pray that they'll find a relationship with you. And for the rest of us who know you and have a relationship with you, I ask that you'll help us to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit. Baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Renew us in your Holy Spirit. Refresh us again and again and again. And let our lives burn with the fire of your Holy Spirit. So much so that it lights our world. In Jesus' name, amen.